You're listening to a podcast on the Game Day Squad Network. Afternoon, listeners. Welcome back to the Game Day Squad NRL show, brought to you by Game Day Squad. Australia's very first NFT fantasy sports game, card collecting and sports hub, powered by the Ethereum blockchain. I'm your host, Gus, here joined by my good mate, Pari. Paz, how you doing? It's been a long day, Gus, but can't tell you how happy I am to be back in the potty chair. I'm very excited. Back in the big chair, mate. Yeah, we like very it. very good. Hey, now, um, as you know, we're calling in the reinforcements today. We've, um, we've had a bit of feedback back from our hardworking producer, and he's kind of flagged that he's getting a little bit bored behind the scenes, cooking up pillow talk segments and and you know and whatnot, whatever <laughs> whatever else he does back there. <laughs> anyway, he's an absolute tragic for the uh, for the club we're breaking down today. So, without further ado, take it away, DJ. DJ Yala here, and I'm all about the doggies. But I'm down in Bankstown to see what's happened to the doggies this year. DJ Yala, ref in the area. <laughs> Good input, brother. <laughs> Mate, of course, we, uh, we're stoked to be talking about the doggies today. Lots to, uh, lots to get through. But first, has to be done. Kickoff question, giving the listeners what they want to hear. So a bit of context for our listeners. Uh, both of us have spent a bit of time coaching sports in, uh, in years gone by. And Puzz, not sure about you, mate, but like all great coaches, silly errors from your players on the field, they've got a tendency to trigger a bit of a blow up for me yeah anyway you know sometimes things get a little bit awkward when you're on the sideline and you know you're having a full craig bellamy-esque blow up like it's like a seven on the richter scale throwing around four letter words and all sorts but then you kind of take a quick look at yourself and and you remember you're on the sideline at the under 13 c's (laughs) you're surrounded by supportive loving families who just like watching their their kids have fun (laughs) But, you know, the, the passion's got to come from somewhere. So, Paz, question for you. While coaching, what's caused you to blow up? Well, there's been a few, um, but I've restrained myself pretty well, I've got to say. Um, I think the one that comes to mind was I was sort of, I was captain coaching, I guess, during a, a charity cricket game. when Alpha. One of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the captain coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when one of my off spinners, who was about 19 years old, sort of fresh out of school, uh, clean bold, a 12 year old who was the son of the captain of the other team, sort of yeah. like your classic charity game sort of stuff. Um, the spinner proceeded to give the kid a huge send off, like celebrated in his face, pointed in the direction of the pavilion and gave him like a fat see you later champ. Oh. Um, yeah. With the sunnies on and everything. It was just, it was, it was awful. Um, so needless disrespectful. to say, yeah, very disrespectful. Um, needless to say, copped a, caught a, caught a bit of a spray from myself. Um, but what about you? Yeah, mate. Um, for me, back to my days in the UK coaching some under-12s rugby, um, just think like a rainy, miserable Saturday morning. Um, on the sideline there, 10 minutes within kickoff, the boys had four tries put on them. Oh, no. And we're talking under twelve, so a little bit demoralizing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, getting absolutely creamed. And after that fourth try, I'm kind of sitting there thinking, like, you know, I should really go down and talk to him, say something, try and get some good words in <laughs> to to perk the boys up. Yeah. Um, but they're standing behind the Gold Coast and, and, and the opposing team's kicker, he's lining up, you know, getting ready to do his business. Mm. 
And just out of nowhere, my two front rowers just get into a punch-up between themselves. <laughs> um, now, first things first, you know, I'm, I'm not too sure what was said. It, it wasn't disclosed, but it's just not great for the team culture. Um, but best part of it, you know, I was kind of there in a bit of disbelief and really I should have got down there quicker than I did. But, yeah, out of nowhere, the opposing team's kicker stops doing what he's doing, <laughs> takes the ball off the tee and runs in to, to break up uh, break up the unchop. Oh, how good. Yeah, just like, what a good man. I'm thinking, yeah. gee, this kid, like distant relative of Orbo, without a doubt, without a doubt. Anywho, obviously another rough year for all the Doggies fans out there. Ending up with the spoon um, throughout the season. Get this. Three wins, which was the least in the comp. Yeah. 60 tries, which was the least in the comp. Yeah. 45% possession, least in the comp. Negative 370 point difference, least in the comp. Yeah. 130 penalties conceded, second most in the comp. Um, just... All in all, one team boasting all of these, can you even call them accolades, is uh, is a little bit a little bit disgusting, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah mate, that is foul. <laughs> yeah. That is foul. <laughs> but, you know, despite that, it does seem that, you know, given all the negativity, all the negativity, rather, from an outsider's perspective, I don't know if I'm the only one seeing this, but it's like there's an aura of positive energy around Belmore for for 2022 and even throughout 2021 there is a bit of that you know it's as if 2021 was set aside as okay this is the year we're gonna you know get all our ducks in order and sort ourselves out for 2022 yeah you know for me i think it starts with with gus gould arguably rugby league's most influential voice who was appointed as gm of uh, football at the dogs earlier this year as you know, I've gotten pretty excited on the pod previously about corporate governance in, in footy clubs. You I have, had a yeah. bit prone to a fanboy uh, over over the likes of Ben Eichen. <laughs> yeah, um, but but that's the thing about Gus. You know, unlike Benny Eichen, he probably doesn't even know what a spreadsheet is. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's you know he's more he's an old school character, and I think what he does best is he can make those ruthless, tough decisions, which might be bloody rough on people yeah. then and there. But at the end of the day, they're serving the best interests of the organization. Right. Um, and I think we can really see that through the club's losses on the roster this year. We'll talk yeah. about that a bit, uh, a bit later in the pod, but just brings like big, like big man. Yeah. Like, yeah. like very big man, like shops at Lowe's sort of energy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, uh, to, to the club. Shops at Lowe's Energy. I think I need a bit of that in my life. Yeah, yeah, mate. Well, that's all right. Once the the dad bottle settle in eventually, you'll be there. That's deep, man. Um, More of a more of a crackdown in the last year or two at the doggies with uh, the off field dramas as well, uh, which have plagued the dogs in recent years, um, and some some personnel uh, turnover with that as well. And I think with Gus at the helm, there might be some. some much needed culture change in the works as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, like, looking back through the dogs and the sort of players that they've had leading their footy team around the park in recent years, like, they've always had that, um, that kind of like bully image. I'm thinking yeah. back to blokes like Marco Mealy, like, <laughs> yeah, and Willie Mason. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute pests on the field who nowadays could probably pass as reformed bikey gang members <laughs> or, or something like that. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, they've just kind of had that image of like bad boys on and off the field. And I think that's something that needs to be eradicated from the dogs. Like it's been a big part of their contemporary history, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that Gus Gould is wanting to iron out. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see someone like um, Hetherington, how he fits into that mould as well. Like lots of potential, really aggressive on the field. Um, also, Hurd is an excellent guy off the field, according to Bulldog staff, but sort of how that's managed will be very interesting. Yeah, too right, too right. One, uh, I mean, one thing about the 2021 season for me with the Dogs was that, I mean, effectively there were just no expectations. I, I think most pundits at the start of the year kind of had it between them and the Dragons to battle it out for the spoon. Uh, and the dogs ended up with it. So, you know, maybe that's something that softens the blow. And um, But sticking to the positives, you know, really good partnership with uh, with Laundry Hotels. Good um, good jersey sponsorship too. You know, they went through a bit of a rough patch where I think they lost their jersey sponsor off the, after their, after some, um, some off-field dramas. And, yeah, Laundry's come in and got some pubs in the area. Go check them out. Good parties. Too right, too right. Um, also... Like hot coach, Trent, <laughs> Trent Barrett. Yeah. Just like a good looking man. And teams with good looking coaches tend to go well. I mean, look no further than Penrith. Yeah, too true, too true. I think it extends to other sports as well because my cricket teams all seem to go really well. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. Um, but, you know, sticking to that kind of 2021 was about 2022 narrative. These Bulldogs 2022 recruits, mate, they're coming in like a SWAT team. Mm. We're going to talk a bit more about them later, but gee whiz, there is some firepower there. A couple of things about 2021 that I think might have held the um, the Bulldogs back is probably, well, one of the things was some 2021 recruits who failed to hit the ground running. Um, so Corey Allen was an interesting one. In 2020, he made the leap from a backup backline player to a strike fullback and actually ended up playing Origin. Gets to the dog in 2021, couldn't cement a position in the back line. Um, his instincts are pretty good, like that pass-first mentality, but I don't know. I don't really I don't really see how he fits into the dogs in 2022. We'll talk about that in a minute, but it's, it's, it's strange having an Origin winner who's playing fullback, barely making an NRL team in the following season and then potentially not being in the picture for the following season as well. So, um, yeah, agreed, agreed. And also some question marks about where exactly he did kind of slot into that team this year. I mean, most people were kind of slapping the fullback label on him, but I think that got taken away from him early doors, if memory. Mm. And there was a bit of um, bit of musical chairs there for the number one jersey. But, yeah, anyway, let's hope he can play some more consistent footy in 2022. Yeah, similar sort of situation for Carl Flanagan, who – was at the Chooks in 2020, really, really good fantasy pickup. I think you got him on, got on him early, actually. No, oh, I was big on Flano, big on Flano. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in both of our opinions, I think based on our conversations, he was hard done by getting sacked uh, towards the end of that season when Robbo started trying a few different combinations and then let him go entirely. Um, similar sort of thing at the Dogs where he started off in the number seven jersey, was... Uh, hallmarked as the the marquee signing uh, general in the middle, sort of direct the dogs around, playmaker. But then once again started not to make the 17 and ended up having a relatively quiet year. The media started bagging him pretty heavily. Um, It seemed, I don't know, it's, it's hard from a distance. On one hand, it could have seemed just because the 
the Bulldogs' on-field performances weren't where they needed to be. On the other hand, you could argue it was unjust because he didn't really have many great assets around him, sort of supporting him. Um, but it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, too right. And, it, and it, like the old story goes, like halves wear the result. Mm. Um, and like it's a lot of pressure on a young bloke, you know, had a good season at the Chooks, comes to a new team, all the expectations on him and doesn't deliver. Um, so, you know, I, I like him and I love watching him play. I think he's a brilliant little half. And you know me, I love little general <laughs> yeah. number sevens. Like, yeah. I, I'm big on them. And he makes his tackles too. Yeah. Like he, he, he's not a defensive liability. Um, so, yeah, it'd be good to see him turn, in, turn it around. But with that number seven jersey, it does segue nicely to a, uh, a silver lining for the dog's year in 2021. And that is Jake Abarillo coming on the scene. And, you know, previously we kind of had him as down as like an, a sort of fill-in outside back, maybe a center. But, gee whiz, he took over as the number seven, particularly during the middle of the year. Yeah, and just quietly an excellent, excellent fantasy asset. I think both of us, did both of us have him from round one and we both held him on, held on to him until right the end of the season? Yeah, yeah, we did, we did. But I know most people kind of picked him up early round one and he got a few low scores, like low teens, and then people got rid of him and then out of nowhere, like back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back 70s. Just unreal stuff. Yeah, I think that was heavily dependent on who his halves partner was um, because when Lachlan Lewis was playing in the halves, Avarillo barely did any kicking. Um, but when there was more of a ball runner at six, Avarillo was sort of taking over, right? Yeah, um, Or he was right. playing with Flanagan as well when, when Avarillo was six and Flanagan was seven. He wasn't getting many points. Yeah, Bags of potential and yeah, good um, good play to have in the squad. And I think from a fantasy point of view, well, definitely in my opinion, I think he's pretty important to that team right. moving um moving forward. I guess um another backbone of the team, club captain Josh Jackson, just led from the middle of the park again. Tough as nails, hard worker, clocked up the most tackles of any dogs player this year. Like you can't ask for much more from your captain particularly from a struggling side. Nah, epitomizes what the Bulldogs are about. I think it'd be great to see him still in the team and leading the team during the resurgence, which will hopefully happen in the coming years. Yeah, great player, underrated leader in uh, in my books. Agreed. All in all, mate, I think 2021, obviously a rough year for, for the Dogs and, and fans out at Belmore, but good launch pad for 2022. And that's being driven by some very high quality signings that the club has made. First of all, everyone's been talking about it throughout 2021 and even into the off season. But Matt Burton coming from uh, coming from the Penrith Panthers, unreal talent as we all know, and he was just stuck behind Jerome Luai uh, at the Panthers. Couldn't get a run in the halves, which is his preferred position. But nonetheless, playing at centre. You just could not leave him out of the team. Like he forced his way into that side like no other. Yeah, back that Dally M Center Award, which is incredible from Burton. Yeah, too right. Like an award like that from a player that isn't even a specialist center. Like that's no small feat. Um, and it, the commentators, commentators say it about him all the time that he's just a footballer. Mm. Like doesn't matter where he is, what the situation is, get him the ball and he'll do something for you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'd go as far to say that the best part of the Bulldogs' 2021 season was confirming that signing of Matt Burton for 2022. And I think it becomes even more relevant when you consider some of the other signings that the Bulldogs made. For example, Josh Adokar, the Fox. We know he's an absolutely electric winner, winger, 
Um, it's known for his speed, obviously, but in recent years has improved his one percenters, like his early set carries and some of his defense as well, like classic sort of working under Craig Bellamy. Yeah, um, And he's yeah. one of the best wingers in the game. But wingers are quite often that position where you can have a really good winger who goes to a club lower in the table, but because of the nature of the position, they don't necessarily have that same impact just because they're not getting enough attacking opportunities. Um, but someone like Matty Burton, hopefully he can help unlock Adokar and the and the attacking prowess that Adokar possesses. Mm, too right, too right. And I feel like we've got a habit of doing this. Like when players leave Melbourne, we make it about Melbourne. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, someone like the Fox, great player, arguably the best winger in the game, but is he just going to be another one of those players that leaves Melbourne and isn't as good as they were when they were at Melbourne? Yeah, yeah, big question mark, isn't it? Too right, too right. One player who I think will improve and definitely benefit from the framework that the likes of Gus Gould are putting in is Matt Dufty coming mm. over from the Dragons. Uh, such a good player to watch. Absolutely electric, bit like uh, bit like Adam Carr. And you just can't coach speed. And he's only a little guy, but gee whiz, those little legs. Like he goes like Wiley Coyote when he uh, <laughs> when he makes a line break. You'd love to see it. Yeah, yeah. And at times he was criticised for his last man defence, but I think with this new culture the Bulldogs are trying to build and if they're really focusing on their on their defence, I do think that uh, this could be, as you say, a, a really good fresh start for him. Yeah, yeah, too right, too right. Moving on, I guess we had a couple of forwards throughout 2021 that were drowning in a bit of, bit of controversy, talking, of course, about Paul Vaughan and Tabita Pangai Jr. Yeah. Um, both unreal players, and we all know how good they can be. Um but they're on their way to Belmore, and I think they can add a lot to that pack, particularly given the sort of established leaders that are already in that pack. You know, the likes of um, of Josh Jackson and Luke Thompson there, who, yeah. who's done a great job since coming over from the UK too. Mm. Um, I think it'll just allow Paul Vaughan to be the Pangai to focus on playing footy rather than all that extra head noise and and you know all that excess baggage they've got to got to fuss about when worrying about leading around a forward pack yeah planning barbecues and all sorts <laughs> uh, uh, we all know how good both of those players can be i mean paul vaughan origin great prop love some of them early carries like, i love watching him play um he can really lead a forward pack same goes for pangai really um, it'll be interesting to see how he matures as a player at this stage in his career. He had a really good run of form early on or maybe towards the middle of 2021 when he moved back into the second row from the from the middle rotation. And there was even chat about him in origin as well. I think he was pretty close. Um, but he really, really needs to iron out those discipline issues. He needs to find that balance between being an unstoppable force versus a liability who misses weeks on end due to suspension. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, a few other additions also. Yeah. Good to get excited about these guys. Some quality young outside backs coming over. Brent Naden from, uh, from Penrith and Braden Burns as well. Lots of outside back signings, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yep. Uh, yep. Max King from the storm. Um, oh, big on Max King. Oh, really? Big on Max King? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big on Max King. I'm having him as, in as like a consistent first grader. Wow. Um, Straight into that middle rotation. Too right. Uh, there's Josh Cook, who's a hooker coming over from South Sydney. Uh, not sure. Well, we'll talk about our 17s um, in a minute, um, but it'll be interesting to see whether he gets around this season. And then a couple of big signings for 2023. 
Uh, I know we're talking about 2022 here, but I do think it's important to mention one thing that I think the Bulldogs have been missing for a long time now. Uh, I'm just trying to think back probably since, I don't know, Mick Ennis was a while ago. Maybe there was someone after that. But just a solid number nine. Mm, And I think Reid Marnie coming to the club in 2023 is huge. Really, really big for the club. The other one is Viliami Kikau, which obviously a very, very dynamic second rower on a pretty large pay packet coming to the Bulldogs. Uh, I'm less sold on Kikau. We know how destructive and damaging he can be. But uh, Ivan Cleary worked out how to use him quite well in spurts for the Panthers. So it'll be interesting to see how he uses him in 2022 as well. Um, But with Fitella Mariner around and Pangai around, we'll see how Kikau fits in. Mate, moving on to their losses. First cap off the rank, hot off the press too. Confirmed. Nick Kotrick on his way through to Canberra. Now, once upon a time, he was in the conversation for best winger in the competition. And look, he didn't quite shoot the lights out at the Bulldogs. It can be difficult for outside backs to leave their mark on games, particularly in a struggling side. Nonetheless, I'm pleased to see him return to the capital. It seems like home for Kotrick, and hopefully he can capture some of that great form which we've seen in years gone by. Next up, Will Hopawade, who previously was a permanent fixture in that back line. Yeah, he was, he was. He was sort of with the Bulldogs through the ups and downs as well. Pretty good leader of the club. Uh, Nick Meaney, who's departing to the Storm. And, I mean, (laughs) how much are we going to talk about the Storm in the Bulldogs podcast? But he's probably going to become a bit of a goat at Melbourne, isn't he? Trying to take over uh, the Nico Hines void, sort of filling in in the back line. You can already see it happening. (laughs) that, That is undoubtedly going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Mate, as well, Renner for Tony going over to your chooks. Oh, I know you're so big. happy about that. I'm very, yeah, very happy. Oh, well, I am big on Renner for Tony. Um, he had a really good start to, to the year. I remember around April, May, he was playing some real good footy in 2021. Um, and we got him. Um, you know, we've been talking about the culture change throughout the pod quite a bit, but talk about driving culture change by losing these blokes from your roster Dylan Napa, Adam Elliott, and Lockie Lewis all in and out of the media for the wrong reasons and all on their day, really good footy players too, like good assets for a team. Mm. But for Bulldogs, I just don't think they're the sort of players they need on on their roster. And I think that that move of getting rid of all three of those guys, it's just got Gus's fingerprints all over it, making those tough decisions and saying, you know, see you later. Yeah, totally agree. Wonder if they put Lockie Lewis for sale up on eBay. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Also, for the first time in Game Day Squad NRL podcast history, we've had a, a team have a gain and a loss. Oh, this is big. This is big. Yeah, yeah. So our boy, who we've mentioned before, friend of the pod, uh, John Asiata, had had signed. You know, ball playing lock had can play in the halves. What a combination, front row and halves. Ugh. Um, but John Asiata signing for the club and then in recent times, unfortunately, um, having his contract terminated. Um, but, yeah, just a just an interesting um, events there. Yeah, very interesting series of events. Yeah. Um, yeah, good player. I mean, we've liked watching John Asiata play. Um, I know you've yeah, felt quite close to him in the past as well. I have, like, I have, and hopefully we get to see him uh, play some footy again one day. Yeah, you should hit him up. You guys might be mates. You never know. <laughs> Yeah, man, I'll probably, I don't know, hit him up pending vaccination status. 
Gee whiz. Gee whiz. <laughs> anyway, Puzz, mate, that time again. Oh, yes. Our favourite part of the show. Straight oh. into a little bit of halftime pillow talk. Oh, thank God. About that time, eh? Yeah, yeah. I just had some stuff I need to get off my chest, man. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell. Well, that's all right. Time's here. Time's here. Okay. Anyhow, mate, anyone who really knows you knows how you feel about sports played in large open spaces on lush green fields. Oh, yeah. Like, get you going. <laughs> but, um, you know, many years ago on a podcast which we both listened to, and it's, you know, without a doubt, it paved the way for us today. And we have paid respect to this individual mm. before uh, mm. in the pod. Um, but of course, we're talking about Warren Smith on uh, on the Fox League podcast. Take me now, you've seen it all. Unfortunately, no longer running. So, you know, we've had to fill the void. So, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> unlucky. <laughs> um, but in a in a notable episode from that pod, we did have was coin the term turf perv, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that sums you up pretty well. Um, but for the listeners who who may not have listened to uh, to to was's words before, care to explain what a turf perv really is? Yeah, I mean, never thought being called a perv would be a compliment, but turf perv for sure. Yeah, so basically, it's someone who gets very excited, perhaps abnormally excited, when they see perfectly manicured lawns or like fields of grass. So coming yeah, from yeah. a yeah, coming from a cricket background and having played on everything from professionally manicured stadiums to literal dog paddocks with enough sand to I don't know, build castles and literal dogs running across it and potholes prone to a sprained ankle while walking. I just, I do appreciate some good turf. And just to clarify, and I think it's important for you and the listeners to know, I'm not a horticulturalist and I don't know the first thing about grass. Maybe some like chat about kukuyu versus couch grass sort of stuff. Yeah, where's what? But you're saying you don't know anything about grass. No, novice, mate, novice, novice. Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah. The circles that I'm running in, mate. Um, but I'm the type of guy, and I think you can sort of picture this in your head as well, and hopefully the listeners can too, who might rock up at a field on a Saturday morning with a coffee and regardless of the sport, uh, put my hand on my hip, lean back a little bit at the waist and start a conversation with a fellow punter by saying, pitch looks in good nick today, eh, mate? Before taking a <laughs> sip of my off beverage. <laughs> but nevertheless... Um, I can't express to you the primal visceral desire and perhaps, perhaps slight arousal I get from admiring an excellent piece of turf. No, mate, that's um, uh, that, that's a good insight, and I'm sure the listeners will appreciate that. Uh, you know, that kind of window in, into into your life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, today, uh, today on Pillow Talk, I'd love for you to share your favourite rugby league turfs. Okay. But before you go any further, I yeah. just want you to know that this is a safe space. Okay, good to know. And yeah, no judgment, no nothing. Yeah, I think it is important to clarify with this with this little ranking. I'm not talking about stadiums or atmospheres at stadiums because I think that's a separate pillow talk for another time because I know you're pretty passionate about that. Mm. Uh, but this is just a conversation about purely the turf itself. Um, so I spoke a little bit about dog paddocks earlier. And I think it's important before I give my uh, top four to give a dishonourable mention to Lotto Land, a.k.a. Brookvale Oval. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. there's just... Over the years, there's just been some 
bad reviews of the ground and it is prone to a soft tissue knee injury as well which is just not ideal either for footy players or anyone for that for that fact but onto the more positive side of things i do have the four that i deem are the best turfs happy to be proven wrong by the listeners um, if you have a different opinion but at number four, I've got Queensland Country Bank Stadium, which is the mm. Cowboys' brand new stadium that uh, JT famously alluded to in the 2015 Grand Final celebration speech when he was uh, when he was giving it. And yep, now it's actually yep. a reality, which is uh, mm. fantastic to see, and some beautiful turf up there. Beautiful. Yep, yep, yep. Um, that was actually the piece of turf that was was very keen to get a piece of. Uh, when, wow. it, when it first got built. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, Interesting. I think he did. I think he actually managed to get it back across the border from memory. Yeah. yeah. Gee whiz. Yeah, it yeah. snapped like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so with, with that turf, I mean, is there anything in particular? Is it like the lush greenness of it or is it like amount of turf relative to like grandstand size and whatever else is going on? Or I think when it comes to the Queensland Country Bank Stadium, I think it's simply I don't know it sounds simplistic but it's just how green it is and and as I said I'm not a horticulturist but I'm just thinking about the unique climate in uh, North Queensland maybe it's conducive to producing a like 1080p perhaps even 2440p if that exists Um, the maths doesn't add up there but I'm pretty sure I've seen 2440p somewhere Um, but excellent grass like excellent for TV viewing yeah, no, too right. Could be uh, something to do with that tropical climate, you know, a bit more moisture in the air and also a little bit closer to the sun than, uh, than most <laughs> of us. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at number three, I've also sticking with Queensland. I've got Suncorp Stadium. Um, mm. I just mm. think that less than an aesthetic perspective, I just think any ground that's able to host Magic Round, which is every single game of a round being played on the same field for a weekend i mean that's pretty incredible is it isn't it that's yeah that's runs on the board that that that's big that's yeah. big yeah and i think suncorp might also come up in our atmosphere chat when we when we rank those but i do think from a purely functional point of view i think suncorp has to be on this list the turf yeah true true uh at second i have Fanquest stadium obviously a relatively new stadium um very aesthetically pleasing, I'd say. Um, I remember seeing the opening match there between the Eels and the Tigers. Your Tigers. What was the scoreline for that one again? I can't Yeah, quite ugly. Yeah, it was ugly. It was ugly? Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, um, the ground itself was not ugly, though. The ground itself looked absolutely beautiful. And I think I'm like mm. getting swayed by the whole stadium look here. Um, but I thought the, the turf at Bank West looks absolutely fantastic. And... It's. I think it's conducive to an afternoon game where there's not been any rain. I feel like you can play some fast footy on Bankwest Stadium. Uh, and when the Eels get going in particular, when the Eels are playing good footy, it tends to be fast footy. Um, and I love mm. watching uh, Mitch Moses direct the troops around and get his hands on the ball on a, at a sunny Bankwest. Yeah, um, I agree, agree. Like s- sunny Bankwest Sunday afternoon with the sun at that sort of angle that it's not casting some sort of half-baked shadow. Yeah, over yeah. the pitch, you know, like it's conducive to peaceful viewing and non-strain of the eyes. Like you can see what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And there's just, I don't know. There's, there's not a lot of when, when it is sunny. There is not a lot of slipping over. You get some really good footwork um, on, on show as well. Although during the evenings, it does tend to get a bit, a bit Adam Dewey um, mm, underfoot. Mm. Like there's lots of people slipping over. Even the big fellas who are just running up for a hit-up, no footwork whatsoever, they might slip over as well. Um, 
So that's the reason it isn't number one. Also, just before we get to number one, an honourable mention, I actually forgot it when I was considering the rankings, but McDonald Jones Stadium up in Newcastle. I feel, oh, like, yeah. I feel yep. like the turf there is not bad either, but not good enough to make the top four. Um, mm. Just to finish off, number one. Here we go. The moment yeah. we've all been waiting for. And as much as I said I'm happy for people to disagree, I'm actually not for the number one pick because I think this is objectively true. Um, but it's skilled stadium. Um, oh, uh, yeah, up, yeah, up at yeah, Gold yeah. Coast. Um, nowadays known as Seabus Super Stadium, but I think skilled no, stadium. No, 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 yeah, no, no, no. Skilled stadium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Has to be skilled. Has to be skilled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing about skilled stadium is that it is so prone to a 3 p.m. Super Saturday slot. Oh, yeah. Loves yep. a Saturday afternoon yep. skilled stadium. Uh, the sun's shining in the in the sunny Gold Coast, and mm. the grass almost looks fake. It looks like yeah. carpet. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah, unreal. The, the vibrancy of the colours off the television screen, it makes me happy. Like it, it transforms my mood, uh, and it makes me a different person. That's that's big. That's big. Yeah, it, it's an emotional response. But um, yeah, that's my uh, that's my pillow talk for today. I'm very happy yeah. I got that off my chest. I'm a lot more relaxed. No, mate. Well, uh, that was that was very nice, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad you were able to get um, you know, just get get a bit personal this, <laughs> on this one. It was, um, I'm sure the listeners liked it too. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty, Paz. Moving on. Going to look at our uh, our one to seventeen for the doggies. How we think they're going to line up. Round one, 2022. Going to get straight into it. And there are a lot of those new recruits mm. who are uh, featuring in this lineup. So let's um, let's crack on. Lining up at fullback in the number one jersey, Matt Dufty. Can't see anyone else doing that job, given he's been brought there solely for that purpose. New recruits, Josh Adokar and Brenton Naden on the wings. With Braden Burns and Aaron Shop in the centres, Aaron Shop had a great year bursting onto the scene, so expecting big things from him in 2022. In the halves, bit of a no-brainer for me, Matt Burton and Jake Avarillo. Moving on to the forward pack, props Luke Thompson and Paul Vaughan with Jeremy Marshall King in the hooking role. In the back row, Raymond Fitala Mariner and new recruit Tavita Pangai Jr., then, of course, the captain, Josh Jackson, with the number 13 on his back. Any qualms with that, Buzz? No, not really, to be honest. I reckon everything's looking pretty similar with mine. Yeah, nice. The bench will be an interesting one. No doubt things will change throughout the year. Uh, but ideally, I'd be rolling out Bailey Biondiata with the 14, providing a bit of spark off the bench, particularly when he slots into dummy half. Big, aggressive man, Jack Hetherington. We like him. Matt Dury. And my man, Max King, can't wait to see him take the field. Yeah, I've had, I had Sayu Manafanai starting with the bench spot. I thought it was really good last year, both in attack and defense. I also really like Jackson Torpenny. Um, I thought he was mm. very mature for a young guy and could fill in in the second row or in the hooking role. So he might snare a 17. Uh, Corey Waddell's in the mix there. The other one that I forgot to mention is maybe Jaden Ockenbaugh snares a wing spot. Um, in, in the first couple of rounds. Matt Dory will certainly fight for a place on the bench once he returns from that knee injury, I, I feel. So I agree with you there. Yep. Yeah, agreed. My only thing with Ockenbohr is, you know, I think he's had enough chances in that dog system. Um, right. And, you know, flashes of brilliance, but, you know, you wouldn't want to be relying on him week in, week out. Um, yeah, and I think so, with some of the signings they've made as well, I do think I do think he might be on the outer to start as well. 
Yeah, yeah. Shame though, because such a you know such a talent for the game. Obviously, mm. you know had a bit of controversy in his own right. Um, but I think that's you know that one to seventeen. Not expecting too much variation yeah. in that between now and, and round one. Sort of dovetails nicely into who we're looking at from a fantasy point of view, mate. I'm going to get things started. First cap off the rank, Matt Burton. Now, a couple of reasons for this. He's going to be starting off the year as a dual position player. Uh, given that he filled in at centre for Penrith throughout 2021. And he's also got that half tag on him. Unreal. Essentially, it means you've got a player scoring like a top-tier half and you can store them away in your centre. So if you get him in a pack, he is one to have without a doubt. Um, Even if he does lose that dual position player tag down the track, no dramas because he is going to be a top-tier half um, you know, kick meters in his favor would be good. We're not too sure what the go is there with Avarillo. He might get a few of those as well. Uh, both of them are ball running halves, but gee whiz, Matty Burton, special player. He's a young wizard. Yeah, for sure. And just adding on to that as well, they're both ball running halves, but I'm more confident that Burton will just basically take over the kicking. Uh, I saw, mentioned it earlier, but when Avarillo played with a, 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 like a kicking half, like a, like a Lewis or a Flanagan, um, he was pretty happy to just let them do all the kicking. And I do think when you have someone like Burton on your team, mate, you're just letting him do the kicking. So, like, you get those kick meters in the center position. How good. Um, another potential prospect would be uh, TPJ. Always a risky player to have. Can do some absolute bits for your team, as both of us found out this year. Uh, does have a checkered history with discipline, prone to a demerit. Um a penalty or a knock-on or something similar than that, or a sin bin, and mm. could be missing from your team for weeks pending his his exploits of the judiciary as well. Um, on the other hand, he can also score tries. When he's played in the second row, he can play. He can even play the full 80. And he's always busting tackles for fun, always throwing outlandish offloads that don't necessarily pay off. But as long as they go backwards and hit someone from his own team, you're getting the points. So, yeah, yeah, just one of those plays with a a high ceiling. Yeah, mate. From that, looking at him from that money ball lens, not a bad play to have by by any means. The thing is with with Pangai, you know, he's almost had that label on him. Like he's, you know, the next big young forward in the game. And that's been, that tag's been on him for three or four years now. Mm. Um, like to beat a pan guy, get around him, young guy coming through. And he hasn't been able to shake that off. And it's almost been as a direct function of his, you know, his inability to kind of make that transition into a top tier NRL forward. And mm. he's got all the right ingredients there. Um, and if he can make it stick at the dogs, he is there home and hosed and yeah. destructive force for the next five or six years. So from a dynasty point of view, like if you want him in the team, get him now, get him early and yeah. take that punt. It's a mm. good gamble. Mm. A, um, another one, another prospect for me, this is you know probably a bit more conservative, bit of a boring pick, um, but that captain, Josh Jackson, reliable mid-50 scorer. Now, Week in, week out, he won't set the world on fire, but he just absolutely gobbles tackles and plays big minutes for a middle forward. He takes hard runs early in the set, doesn't miss many tackles, very few errors. Um, He's the captain of the footy side, but he's probably not a candidate for the captain of your fantasy team, if you ask me. Um, But great player to have. And, you know, you just know what you're going to get. You're not going to get below... 
40 yep. and you're probably not going to get above 60, but it's going to be somewhere in that range, <laughs> yeah. you know, pending a send off or a meat pie. Yeah, so, yeah. The sort of player that I look at every year and I'm like, it'd be so good to have Josh Jackson in the side, but they never ever pull the trigger. So I'm looking forward to getting him in a pack actually. Yeah, no, too right, too right. But um, uh, mate, I think for the prospects for me, particularly when I'm thinking about long-term holds, Burton and Pango are the two that stand out for me. Obviously, we've spoken about them. Um, but I'd really just like to see that team gel for another year or two before committing to any, um, you know, any any long-term assets other than those two guys. Right, Puzz, traps. We talk about them every week. Who have you got from the dogs? Um, I think. Probably Adokar. I'm always scared when I come up against him because he can sometimes just do some extraordinary things with line breaks and meat pies. But he's just—I don't know—he's just not that consistent high scorer in that in that wingers in that winger position. Wingers as a whole lack consistency, and they tend to be ultra dependent on on tries. And Adokar coming to a new club that's not as attacking as the store, where he might not get as many opportunities. Um, those attacking stats might be in shorter supply this year. Yep. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I, I think rule of thumb, you know, new outside backs turning up at a club and we're not too sure how they're going to go. You know, if they're not going to be a top four side, you probably don't want to break the bank going for uh, for those players. Um, mate, Trap, from my point of view, um, Brent Naden. For me, someone I will be avoiding from a fantasy point of view. Reason for that, I'm just not too sure whether or not he's going to nail down a starting starting spot in that team, given the supply of outside backs who can fill in at center or wing or wherever Naden's going to be playing. Um, I'm not sure if he's the first choice option. And, you know, even when you get down to your kind of second, third, fourth choice options, there are many players in that roster who are kind of on level pegging. Yeah, I've... Not gonna lie, I've got one eye on Brett Naden. Uh, not for any other reason than a gut feel. If he bags that center wing fullback DPP, and he uh, is starting in the centers, if he does bag that starting spot, I will just sort of have one eye on him there because he tends to be a bit of a dynamic player uh, in the sense that he can break tackles and, and get over for a meat pie. But uh, as you say, he's probably too risky to start. Yep. Yeah. Fair play. Any uh, anyone else from you? Yeah, a bit of a controversial one because I'm, I'm not sure how you're feeling about this, but I'm actually thinking Abarillo is a fat trap this year. He's an avoid. Oh, no. Yeah, he's an no, avoid. No, no. He, he came off a pretty good fantasy year last year and he did some good things for my team. Mm. But I do think that, as I said, I think Matt Burton's going to take the kicking meters, which was a huge, huge chunk of Abarillo's points when he was scoring those high points. I think that Burton's going to take control of the team. I think it's going to be Burton's team as opposed to Avarillo's team. And yeah, Avarillo can run the ball and he might have a fat line break or a few tackle busts here and there. But uh, yeah, I'm saying he's in a void for, for fantasy this year. Oh, mate, I've I've got Avarillo down for one of my pods. I'm going right. to have to disagree with you there. Right. Like he's my one of my big pods. I think everyone's going to be chasing after Burton. And I think people are just going to forget about Avarillo despite that explosive fantasy season he had in 2021. Um you know, he's got that boot on him. He's such a good ball runner and he just busts tackles for fun. Mm. Um, not many halves can do that as well. You know, usually when we're looking at halfbacks, it's kick meters and try assists and that's all you really care about. But Avarillo's really got that ability to break a tackle. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. When you're wrong, I'll play back this clip. 
Oh, she was. <laughs> I, I need to stop saying things like this. <laughs> wow. Mate, moving on, we always get to it eventually. Ladder predictions. What have you got? Where do you think they're finishing? Yeah, I think in terms of what would be a success for the dogs in 2022, I think people would consider fighting for the eight mm. uh, being a success. I actually don't really see them doing it at this stage. I, I think the, the recruits are a step in the right direction. Uh, watch me be proved wrong, by the way, but I think recruits are a step in the right direction, but I just don't think there's going to be much improvement, to be honest. So in terms of putting a ladder prediction on it, I've still got them around the 14th or 15th. Yeah, mate. Interesting. Interesting. Personally, I've, I've got them that little bit higher. Um, I think they're definitely not wooden spooners this year. Um, you know, I, I'd almost put the house on that. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. Like risky play given recent history. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think they're they're dropping the spoon in 2022. Right. Um, which, you know, hopefully that happens and it'll be a good thing for the dogs if it does. I don't see them punching into the eight in the next 12 months, that's for sure. Um, so I'm probably going to slap, I think, 13th place on them. I'll go a little bit higher than your 14th or 15th. Yeah, but yeah. I think we're going to have quite a few sides battling it out for, you know, that kind of 10th to 14th range on the ladder. There always is. Yeah. Uh, my, my Tigers will probably be down there too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'll, I'll go 13th. Okay. Good, mate. Well, um, full-time thoughts. We'll, we'll wrap things up. Dogs in 2022, what are you thinking? Any uh, any key fantasy takeaways or, or anything else? Similar. I made a similar comment for Brisbane, but it's just – it's so difficult with the Bulldogs to predict where they're going to finish, although we just attempted to. Um, but in terms of a full-time thought, I'm just really excited to see them play. And I have been saying this for a few clubs. Um, I just love watching footy. But for the Bulldogs in particular, I do think with all the new signings they've got, um, particularly Burton coming in in the halves and Dufty getting a fresh start, Adokar in a different system, guys like Brent Nade and Braden Burns getting a crack at another club, guys like Raymond Vitala Mariner who missed um, a lot of last season due to injury, dynamic players like Vaughan and TPJ coming into a new system, bringing, um, bringing, bringing new attitudes and new ideas. And there's a few guys in there like Burton's just won a premiership with Penrith and Adokar has been in the storm system. Max King's been in the storm system as well. They're, they're winning cultures. They're winning systems. So I'm just, I'm just really excited to see them play and how everyone gels together, to be honest with you. Yeah, mate. Uh, good, good stuff. And I agree. I agree. I think, yeah. Yeah. One thing that the recruitment decisions show is they're bringing in important players in important positions from high quality NRL systems, which is a good thing for the dogs. And I'm with you on that. I think, um, yeah, I'll boil it down to a couple of factors. I think Gus Gould is really going to be the catalyst of change. He already has been, but I can see him driving that club back into, you know, the top four wow. over the next four or five years. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, definitely not out of reach for uh, for the dogs, given the support they've got out in the Canterbury Bankstown area. Mm. Um, I think Burton is going to become one of the best halves in the game. Yeah, agreed. And bit of a long shot, but I've been on him all the pot, all you know, throughout the pod. Max King, <laughs> yeah. get around him. That'll be on top of the year. Yeah, yeah, too right, too right. He's on the he's on the way. Like, <laughs> you, 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 yeah, you joke about that, but like. <laughs> It definitely comes out of that Christian Welch mould. So right. um, bit big on Max King. So uh, anyhow, let's uh, let's see how it pans out, mate. Good um, good chat. 
and we will uh, we'll touch base uh, next week for who's it going to be the Sharkies. Yeah, Cronulla, Cronulla. Oh, bit <laughs> bit to talk about there. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, alrighty, mate. Well, we'll uh, we'll see you later. See you, listeners.